and welcome to That's Life, where uh, my Yanks are a little bit on the skid, but I'm still not a Met fan, and there's nothing better than that. Good morning, folks. Thanks for listening. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, general manager here at the Nachum Siegel Network. You can find me here right after Allison, right before Nachum's live lunch. Do my eyes deceive me? I am joined by a rummy behind the board. Shalom, shalom. Shalom and Boker How are you, sir? Thank God, doing all right. Yeah, everything's good? Yes, it's good to see everybody. Uh, yeah, even though I was kind of in a close proximity last week, but I wasn't quite here. Right, so close yet so no, far. Exactly. That's the way we feel about Queens. Good to be here. So close yet so far. <laughs> um, and by the way, Avrami, in advance, I'd like to apologize by the fact that there will be uh, food during the live lunch, and yet again, you will not be part of it. I was thinking someone would bring me back a little something, a leftover, a crumb, well, that's why something. that's I asked you. <laughs> right. I'll take the leftover bread, like a good Maybe Jewish a mother. Maybe full of gravy. I'll take the leftover bread, wrap it in a napkin, shove it in my pocketbook. <laughs> Every once in a while, I look at my mother-in-law when we're like at some, like, I don't know, bris or whatever. I look to go, my, you got a Ziploc. Right. She never has a Ziploc. That's not the point of the story, but it's something a grandmother would do. Um, and by the way, I want to welcome Yoni. What's up, Yoni? What up? It's, uh, I don't think the three of us have ever done this on uh, That's Life, right? And the three of us have never been on at the same time. Am I right? I guess we've let our listeners down. Oh, there we go. Or we've raised the bar here oh, at that. That's Life. That's Yoni, true. I have two things I have to tell you before I do the um, the fortune cookie. Okay. First of all, and Avrami, you're going to think this is funny, is that yesterday in the studio, and I, I hope Nahum's listening, yesterday in the studio, before Nahum came in, or he had stepped out and he came in, um, Yoni and I were listening to um, a oh. 4th of July <laughs> patriotic music mix yeah, like that's what they call it. like uh, like um like John Philip Sousa like big band stuff and whatever to battle him of the republic anyway Nachum comes in and he goes what is this I said it's July 4th music you know into it and whatever and Yoni's like you know it's July 5th and I said uh, and he's like you're listening to it on purpose and I said yeah so, he, so clearly, enough, I'm not so into it. So we shut it off, which is fine. Anyway, I get into my car, Yoni, after um, leaving the studio at a bit of a tense moment, after a tense phone call with somebody, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, so I get into the car. I'm a little bit aggravated. All of a sudden, I don't realize Pandora is still connected. And all of a sudden, I hear, bum, bum, ba dum, bum. It was like... <laughs> It was it was pretty funny. So I thought you'd appreciate that, right? Isn't that funny? People, people unfortunately. Yeah. Well, one of the hey, one of the pieces of feedback that we get about the Nachum Siegel app that we happen to really like is that it automatically connects to the car and that you have this instant connectivity. Well, Pandora seems to have uh, done the exact same thing. And every time I got a phone call on this ride home that was particularly aggravating and hung up with the phone, all of a sudden some other <laughs> big band song came on until I finally. You know, just shut the radio. The other thing I wanted to tell you both, and Yoni in particular, is that I received after, again, this crazy experience with Pandora and this aggravating ride home, a a, a piece of mail <laughs> that is uh, that only I would find funny, and Nahum sort of found it funny. Um, I had gotten a parking ticket in Israel on a on a work trip a year ago on a rental car. You know, just an unpaid, you know, I went over the meter or whatever it was. Anyway, figuring, okay, it's a rental car. Like, what difference does it make? I got a citation in the mail yesterday. I don't know why I think this is this funny. But I got a citation in the mail yesterday telling me that I owed um, Jerusalem 40 bucks because I did not pay this parking ticket a year ago. And there were additional fees as a result of the fact that they had to find me. So now I have $40 pay unpaid parking ticket it's to, still only 40 bucks it's right exactly still only 40 bucks did but you get one in hebrew i it just it was like it's also i mean particularly condescending <laughs> um but it's it's somewhat it's somewhat 
It's somewhat funny, I have to be That's honest great. with you. Right? So just when I think that I can have unpaid parking tickets in multiple countries, <laughs> uh, the truth of the matter is... I can't. Uh, it's Fried Chicken Day, folks. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Fried Chicken Day. Shout out to Bedford. I'm not sure when we go to Bedford on Park during the live lunch that there will be any fried chicken, but yet I am letting you know that it's Fried Chicken Day also. Avrami. One of my favorite days now. Well, Avrami, it's also Take Your Webmaster to Lunch Day. So somehow or another, we should maybe be- bring me back a crumb. I or- know, I know. We're gonna have to do something for you because we should be taking you out to lunch, and we're not. And it's another live lunch where there's food, and you're somehow or another not involved. And it's Fried Chicken Day, so I don't know what to tell you. But we'll we'll do our best to snag a little doggy bag and hopefully get back here before you have to take the mega bus back to Baltimore. It's also. Uh, the birthday of George W. Bush, President George W. Bush, big fan and friend of Israel. So yeah, a shout out. Exactly. A shout out to President George W. Bush. And tomorrow, a day we can all participate in is Chocolate Day. Huh. Yes. So shout out to everyone. Tomorrow, tomorrow is Chocolate Day. I'm going to do the fortune cookie in a second. I also just want to mention um, that every week during the weekly update, Malcolm Holine stresses the importance of everyone being involved on some level in defending Israel and the importance of social media in that defense. If you haven't been paying attention to social media, and that's okay because, well, some of us are, and we're here to inform you about that, BDS recently, as of yesterday, got a uh, a pat on the back, a gold star, should you say, an endorsement from Hamas. I'm not kidding you. On the Hamas Twitter feed, and yes, terrorists do have Twitter feeds. If you check out the Hamas Twitter feed, you will see that they endorse their friends at BDS. So if you have, if you know people who are, for some ungodly reason, pro-BDS, etc., you may want to ask them what bedfellows they share as a result of their alignments, because being part of a group that is um, applauded by a recognized terrorist group here in the United States, you really got to look in the mirror and say, hey, what's going on? Um, let's get to let's get to the fortune cookie. Yoni has dibs on what the fortune cookie will say, even though he does not have um, um, x-ray vision. But Yoni, what did you think the fortune cookie was going to say? It is what you make it. Right. It is what you make it. Um, no, it's not what it says. It says, never forget a friend, especially if he owes you. <laughs> but you make it right okay <laughs> yonis might be um a little bit happier or more upbeat than this one confucius clearly having a tough day and owed a hundred bucks by a close friend when he wrote this one you're listening to that's life here at the nachum siegel network and uh, returning to that's life this morning is dr michael solomon he is senior psychologist and director of adc psychological services in hewlett new york dr solomon has joined me on a number of different topics over the last number of years and recently something came across my desk that really um, was a term i was unfamiliar with and of course when there's something with which i am unfamiliar in the um, realm of psychology, Dr. Solomon is the person I speak to. Good morning, Doc. Good morning. How are you, sir? I'm actually very happy that today is Fried Chicken Day. Yeah, exactly. Are you joining us at Bedford on Park for lunch? <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> All right, I'll start. A, I'll, I'll see if I can bring you something back to the Five Towns, Sounds Doc. Good. Let's talk about brain hacking. There was a 60-minute segment back in April. Um, in which brain hacking was defined as how phones and apps, social media and tablets are all programmed and designed to get their users addicted and make you need to check it constantly. Tell me, is this is this really a thing? Is this a is this a term? 
Well, I don't know that I would assign anything malicious to anybody at random who would make generalizations like that. But yes, it's real. I mean, people are becoming addicted to their screens, to their technology. And uh, I'm involved with a company that is doing some research into that. And we have a paper scheduled to be presented at a conference on the topic. Um, and it's really kind of scary in some ways, but it's also kind of interesting in a lot of other ways. Um, Ask me some questions so I can be more specific. Well, I was about, I was just about to ask you. I didn't want to break up a thought. I thought you were in the middle of a thought. But my, my first question is, is this something that can, I'm going to use the word afflict, because if we're talking about an addiction, then I, then I feel like the word afflict is really appropriate. Is this something that can afflict both kids and adults? Or are adults um, more in control of themselves, in theory, to be able to shut down that source of addiction easier than a child? It is very addictive to people in general, regardless of the age. But as with any addiction, the earlier you start, the more difficult it is to break the addiction. Ah. Um, so, you know, I, I wrote an article about this that appeared about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, in the Times of Israel. I took uh, my grandchildren to see uh, Cinderella, mm. and in the movie theater, um, virtually all the parents were on their cell phones instead of watching the movie with their children and trying to explain what was going on. And the row right in front of me was this young child saying, but Cinderella's going to get into trouble, Mommy. And Mommy didn't even hear her uh, child saying that because she was so involved in her social media feed. So it's a fine line, though, because you really cannot exist in 2017 without some so sort of technology at your you know, literally at your fingertips. I mean, we're, we're talking about both adults and children in terms of interacting with the world around us. And we do not believe in living in a bubble and, and protecting ourselves, quote unquote, from that outside world. But somehow or another, both as adults and as parents, we have to not only blend those worlds, but we also have to balance those worlds and show our kids how they can be balanced. Well, you know, the first thing to do in order to get to that level is to understand what these new devices are doing to us, and people don't really get that. Um, on the most basic level, your iPhone can do things that you, your brain was supposed to have done for you until five years ago or eight years ago. Um, for example, um, ask a child what clockwise means, and they have no idea. Um, ask them if they need to wear a watch, and most of them will say, why? I've got my phone. It tells me the exact time. Ask them to multiply, and they say, I don't need to do that. My phone will do that for me. Um, so we're missing, basic, we're missing basic functions, basic, um, I don't want to say human functions, but basic functional functions. Basic cognitive functions. Cognitive, for example, right. used to be a test called map-finding test that we would use to determine person's level of cognitive awareness which was basically you give them a map and ask them to figure out where they were and where they were going on this map. Um, you ask a child to do that nowadays, they, they go to their map function on their screen. Right. Um, they don't have to figure out where they're going. I mean, I'm guilty of this now, too. I, I, I had to travel to New Jersey uh, a few days ago. I just programmed my phone on Waze, and it t told me exactly where to go, whereas in the past I would have sat down in a map and figured it out on my own. Right. I joke with I joke with uh, my oldest who started driving about a year and a half ago that she had a great sense of direction until she started to be a driver. 
And, right. and then all of a sudden, everything goes in ways, and she has no idea how to get anywhere. But when it was just her on foot using mass transit to get into Manhattan and figure her way around, you know, she had a, a number of different street sense um, you know, abilities coupled with certain apps, including the, you know, the, uh, the subway line app, which when it works is great. Um, and therefore had this, that this, you know, city like ability to really get around and, and tie her shoes and all of those things fall by the wayside when you have technology coming in and inherently we, all of these things that could be used for good are now taking over in an obsessive and dominant manner because we're letting them, and now they're they're all turning into bad. The fact that you use the word obsessive is very, very important. People do not realize what we're doing is we're allowing our brains to think more slowly, and we're impeding our ability to develop long-term memory because we're not filtering out irrelevant information, mm. and we're... we're spending too much time on a screen that's doing everything for us. Right. That, and, and, and the issue here is, while we're doing those things, we're also ignoring the world around us. Right. I, 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 often, I often look at Shabbos and, as always, thank God for his wisdom in making us shut off the entire world when, when candlelighting comes and where we detox and we deprogram ourselves for 25 hours. But I wonder... When it comes to longer time spans for people who are already addicted, meaning, for example, kids, when they're going to summer camps, one of the one of the tips in the 60 minute segment on brain hacking from April was to send your kids to a camp over the summer that is screen free and doesn't allow kids to take part in technology. But I sort of wonder, like with any other addiction, what happens when those kids go cold turkey? It's not just, okay, I'm, I, I give up one day a week on, on every device I have for Shabbos because God said so. Okay, fine. But now the camp is saying so. I don't get it at all. So I'm going from six days a week to zero days a week. What happens with that addiction? Well, there are some kids who have a hard time adjusting. Um, they'll act out. They will be aggressive. They'll be oppositional. Um, most children won't, though. Most children will actually adjust to it pretty quickly. But those who have addiction problems, those who have um, problems with possibly attention deficit disorders or, or they've always been somewhat impulsive, those children will have a hard, a hard time adjusting. Um, and, and it's not necessarily a healthy thing to do either to just totally shut it out because um, it's part of their lives. We have to teach kids, we have to teach adults how to better adjust to what's going on technologically. Um, you know, one of the things, one of the interesting side facts that we've come up with during the research that I've been doing with this organization is that people do not realize that we're giving away a great deal of our own independence. Mm. Whatever we do on our phones, on our screens, on our tablets, whatever, gets recorded somewhere and is used either for us or against us by the organizations that save that information. Right, right. Every time we tell uh, that new Alexa in the house <laughs> to, to, I don't know, order a container of milk, right. we're basically telling the supermarket and the milk producers how much milk we're using, and they're storing that information. And at a, there will come a time when that we won't even have to order. It will be sent to us in advance, um, which is maybe interesting and nice, and, and time-saving, right. 
But what does that do to who we are as people, our thought processes, our involvement in, in our lives, our decision-making, and so forth? Wow. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Dr. Michael Solomon joins us, and we're discussing brain hacking, how the uh, social media and apps and digital devices, etc., all have an addictive property to them, and how we can teach our kids healthy interaction, especially during the summer, with those different devices. I wonder, Doc, about the kids who are already suffering socially, kids who have trouble making peer-to-peer connections. Um, What happens when we start taking those kids who, because of those inabilities, have um, turned to to their 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 devices and their iPads and their phones, etc., and or their Xboxes, and look to that for for some kind of interaction. What happens to those kids when we take that away too? Well, the, the way to do it is to have a parent uh, help the child. I mean, in the past, before these technological advances existed, we would advise parents who were having these social skills issues to to organize play dates, um, to involve other parents, to help uh, set up situations where children can be involved with other children and have those times supervised. What we're finding now is that parents, um, they kind of balk at that more. And even if they say they'll do it uh, and supervise these, these play dates, they're, they're supervising at a distance. They're busy on their own screens while the kids are going at it and having either a rough time about it or a very difficult time interacting with one another. Uh, It's really unfortunate in some ways. Um, And social media can be rewarding to those kids because if they get likes on Instagram or if they get a text back from somebody or there's some kind of interaction where there's an emoji, it almost looks to them like they are making social connections when in reality they're not. They're not. But even worse than that, it's true that they're not, but worse than that is it gives them a fantasy world to uh, live in. Right. And the more, we, the more fantasy we give them, the less reality they have. And more difficult it would be for them to have a relationship. Well, I, not that I'm not completely depressed, but tell me, there is. I mean, you always have suggestions. So let's talk for a second about the suggestions that adults, that parents can implement in their home, especially during the summer. We're not homebound. It's not 10 feet of snow outside here in New York. What can parents do to help their child balance their interaction or their need for screen time versus the need for them to be kids? Well, you know, there are some recommendations the American Psychological Association has about screen use that I think are really significant, and I I try to recommend that to everyone. So take a step back. So 20 years ago, even before that, when my kids were young, we had a a deal. Um, No no television on school nights, and if if they did have a need to watch television, it would only be for school purposes, and they would sign a contract. The contract would, would say just that, and the contract would also have a, uh, a deal attached to it, that if they kept to this, um, at the end of the school year, they would get a reward. And the reward would be a substantial one, um, and I'm not talking about financially substantial, but something substantial in their eyes. Uh, and it worked. It worked. They lost interest in TV overall. I mean, they had their interest in their shows, and they caught up on them on, on nights that they didn't have school. But 
overall, TV became less of an issue for them. Basically, those are the guidelines we want to try and impart now. But because screens are so pervasive and because they are needed for schoolwork in most schools, um, there are recommendations about when and how to use them that I think we should follow. First of all, according to the most recent research, um, kids are on their screens about seven hours a day. That's dangerously pathological. That's really bad because the recommendations are that children should not be on their screens more than an hour and a half a day. In fact, children under uh, 18 months shouldn't, shouldn't be on screens at all, although parents put them on, in front of screens, and, and you'll see these year-old children pressing their, their parents' phones uh, and, and playing, in their own way, games on their screens because parents just want them to leave them alone. Not healthy. It's just not a good idea. Right. Um, parents should be choosing certain high-quality programming that they allow their kids to have on their screens. Okay. Um, they should not allow them to use their screens within half an hour of bedtime. Too much stimulation. They're having trouble falling asleep. Exactly. Falling asleep and staying asleep. And staying asleep because once the brain is active in that way, it can it, it comes and goes. Right. Exactly. And what and, about and, interaction? I mean, we I don't want to make it sound like every device out there is is for is for evil. I mean, what about time that kids are FaceTiming their grandparents from abroad? And I mean, that it's one of the beauties actually. That's uh, that's that's terrific. And that's considered interacting socially and that's something that can be encouraged all the time. Um, is that fall does that fall within the hour and a half? No. no okay. That that's that's separate and apart. That's bonus time because that's actual interaction with another human. That is screen-based socialization, and that's something separate and apart. Got it. So if a kid had a chavrusa, that would be a via FaceTime, which, by the way, is, is sometimes what it, the way it goes. Yeah. There is, yeah. There is, there is, that is outside of the hour and a half. I'm really trying to understand the parameters because I have camp, and, and even during, you know, when you don't have homework to send, you're looking practically and saying, you know, what are, like, what, how are we dividing up this time? We can reward our kids or tell them that it's outside of their hour and a half to go FaceTime with Bubby. Go for it. Face, yeah, FaceTime with Bubby. I'm concerned not about the FaceTiming or, or the Skyping with, with Bubby and Zadie or, or um, and whoever. I'm more concerned about the time they spend on social media distracting themselves or playing games. Those are the things that are mentally stimulating in a negative way if, if too much of it is done. Now, some of those games are actually high quality and are educational. But that, that's something parents have to look into, and there are ways to, to evaluate that. You can go online and check the games that your kids are playing for how destructive or how appropriate they might be for children of a certain age, and you should enforce those things. And by the way, not only should kids not have their screens a half hour before bedtime, mm-hmm. they shouldn't have their screens in their, bed, in their bedrooms. Mm. That's well. something parents have a very hard time hearing, but that's something that's really critical because I can't begin to tell you how many children I know who wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning. They program themselves to get up at 2 o'clock in the morning so they can go on their, on their Twitter feed and see what President Trump has said. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, see what their best friend is doing, and they're right. all doing it. Well, I, I, I guess the first person, though, in this conversation would have to take the screen out of her room and stop checking social media in the middle of the night would therefore have to be me. Um, <laughs> uh, Dr. Solomon, I thank you as always. I'm, I'm happy that there are solutions, and I think that this is going to be the first of many conversations 
about this topic. And I, I really appreciate you just focusing everyone on the importance of this, because I think that we've gotten so used to these screens in our lives that we just don't realize how pervasive and addictive they've become. Dr. Michael Solomon from ADC Psychological Services in Hewlett, thank you as always, and I really appreciate your time. My pleasure. You've been listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm going to turn my phone away from me for the next couple of moments and let you know what is going on the rest of the day at the conclusion of That's Life. We have the live lunch hosted by Nachum Siegel, and as we let you know, the first hour will be here in studio, and the second hour we will be heading to Bedford-on-Park, where we will be meeting up with Chef Alex, and we will be enjoying a number of the dishes that are that are premiered on the Bedford-on-Park business lunch menu. We look forward to that. We should be there around, I think, 1230, we said. Nahum, Yoni, and I will be making our way to Midtown, and we will be bringing back a doggy bag for Avrami. Tomorrow morning, join Nahum as he hosts JM and AM from 6 to 9 a.m. Weekly update scheduled at 7.40 with Malcolm Holmline. At the conclusion of JM and AM, join Naomi for Table for Two, and then stay tuned as you enjoy the Arab Shabbos music mix brought to you by Kedem and the Kedem Arab Kedem Arab Shabbos Live Lunch, hosted by Mark Zamek. Monday Shabbos, Saturday Night Seagull, hosted by Avrami. Matis hosts JM Sunday this Sunday morning. If you're enjoying what you're listening, please show your support at fjbunity.org. We truly appreciate it. And we're going to close with a TBT favorite on this last show before the three weeks acapella format begins. TBT, Shabbos Yushalayim by Miami Boys Choir. And why did I choose this song? Because, frankly, it amazes me just how many of the words in this song I still remember even in my old age. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys.
Oh 